the Canes Country podcast is back, as is the the Hurricanes. All NHL teams. Training camp is underway in the NHL, uh, including the Hurricanes, of course. They started on Monday. We we're recording today on Thursday, January 7th. This will be posted on Friday, January 8th. And there's a good bit of stuff to discuss as we are about a week from the start of the regular season uh, when the Hurricanes go to Detroit and open with two games at uh, Little Caesars uh, Arena, one of the best stadium names in the NHL. My name is Brett Finger, and I'm joined by Andrew Schnicker and Ryan Hankel, per usual. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Doing as good as I can do. Before we start, uh, there's been some stuff obviously going on. There's some pretty terrible things that happened on Wednesday at the uh, Capitol building in D.C. We talked about this a little bit as a group uh, yesterday. We were, we were talking about maybe we don't record a podcast this week, but we've decided to record. Uh, it, it's tough recording one right now because there's so much going on and there's so much discussion about the frankly uh, horrendous things that happened on Wednesday if you listen to this podcast, you know that we, we don't dive into uh, non-hockey topics uh, unless it's, you know, media like Star Wars or whatever. But we, we do want to start off by saying that the, the biggest fear that I would have is for people to misconstrue a hockey podcast during a time like this as uh, ignoring things that are going on in the real world. Because when it comes down to it, hockey is a game and what we do and covering the hurricanes and all that, um, it's it's very minuscule compared to things that are actually happening happening around us. So I want to start by saying that, um, and we hope that this next hour, however long of a of a hockey podcast, can be a good uh, respite of sorts for for all of our listeners. But at the same time, uh, hopefully, uh, you aren't distracted by what's going on because it, I think this is something that's important to pay attention to, and honestly, it's something that everyone should be evaluating uh, and thinking critically about. Because um, again, we're not going to get into a bunch of opinions on this stuff, but I, I speak for myself in saying that the stuff that happened on Wednesday and the stuff that's been happening around the country for the most part over the past several months uh, is pretty disgusting and, and pretty horrible. Uh, do either of y'all have anything else to add to that? You certainly speak for me as well on that. I mean, I'm very disturbed by what we saw yesterday. And like you said, um, what we've been seeing for a while now, and I, I, th I think you said it well, I mean, this is something that people need to pay attention to. I mean, it affects all of our lives at the end of the day. And you know, like you said, I don't, we don't want to take away from what's happening, but I do hope, you know, there's no right way to deal with this. I mean, if you need to pay attention to it and you pay attention to it, if for the sake of your own mental health, you need to look away, take a break, find a distraction, do that. Do what is best for you. This, this is a scary, these are scary situations, scary times, and all we can all do is handle it the best way that we can. I agree. Well said by both of you. So we have that out of the way, and now we can go to hockey. Uh, let's 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 have a good time here. Training camp opened up for the Hurricanes on Monday, as it did for all the teams that qualified for the postseason uh, last year and played in the bubble. Things started on Monday. 
you know, it's a very unique year with the shortened training camp. It's only 10 days for the Hurricanes, and they, they don't practice on Saturday. So we're, we're already almost halfway through this thing, and it's, it's, it's tough. I know we've uh, – I was there yesterday. Andrew, I, you were there on Monday. Um, were you there and today. today and today as yeah. well? Before we get into more of season-long stuff, I guess we can talk about – the first four days at camp, Andrew, uh, any observations from uh, the opening of 2021 training camp? Yeah, I was there on the very first day and, you know, Rod Brindamore and everybody kind of talked to it about it. There's, there was no, you know, easing in on the first day. No, you know, we'll do these nice, easy drills. We'll, we'll shoot around, whatever. It was right into systems and battle drills and high intensity, fast pace, pretty much everything the whole time. And really, I mean, they don't have a choice. Like, the season starts next, a week from today, a week from us recording this podcast. Like, they had to get right into it and, you know, get down to the nitty-gritty, and I think they have. And the other thing that you can look at in that is they've split the um, into two groups, which is not unusual for a training camp, but the Hurricanes groups, it's pretty much one group that goes first in the morning that's made up mostly of, like, prospects, younger guys, AHL guys, kind of getting some development work that, you know, they haven't really, a lot of these guys have not been around the Hurricanes training uh, staff for a while. Some of them are new at an AHL veteran signed. And then the second group that goes later in the day is pretty much the NHL group with maybe a couple extra guys who will likely be on the taxi squad because, I mean, that, that group needs to just, focus on playing together, building chemistry, finding combinations that work and getting ready for the season. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting setup. Obviously, the, the two groups are very clearly uh, cut in a way that you have your, your, your 21 skaters and two goalies that are going to be on the team, on the cusp of making the team. I believe the, the forward unit is... Uh, the exact same on that first unit uh, in that first group C1 um, as it was at the end of last season, just adding Jesper Fast, of course, who they signed over the off season as a free agent to a three year contract. He has been skating alongside Vincent Trocek and Andre Svechnikov for the first two days of camp. We'll see how long that that lasts. Um, I think I think we kind of think that he his, his place is more alongside Jordan Stahl, obviously we'll see how all of that, um, how all that pans out. It's still very, very early, of course. Um, but yeah, so it, it's very clearly cut, uh, the, among the, I guess the notable names on that, on that second group, um, Joey Keane as a defenseman is a notable one, uh, especially when it comes to maybe having him on a taxi squad as is Gustav Forsling. Uh, as a defenseman um, up front, Stephen Lorenz. Uh, Max McCormick, I believe, was on the, the extended roster in the bubble. He was, uh, yeah. So he's also on that second group. Um, and then prospects, Jameson Reese, David Cotton, uh, Jason Cotton, who's his brother. Uh, not really a prospect, but he's on that uh, on that roster, as is um, Seth, Jarvis. Seth Jarvis. Seth Jarvis is there, and the world junior participants uh, are not there right now. Um, so we'll see uh, how everything on that second group pans out. But 
Uh, also on the first group, Jake Bean and and uh, Joakim Ryan are the uh, two Asher defensemen. But out again, outside of that, just the normal NHL roster. Uh, Ryan, uh, any takeaways so far from camp? It's very interesting when we're seeing Foss playing with the second line, Trocek and Svechnikov. You know, Brendan Moore did try moving Svechnikov around in the playoffs. You know, gave him some time with Trocek and Natchez as, as it was, but. You know, Faust is a good player. He's a lot of the cut-and-paste coach quips. You know, 200-foot player, works hard, goes to the dirty areas, does what he needs to do. But he's not a tips, top six forward. He's never been a top six forward. He's never been a goal scorer or a goal producer. And that's really what you want your second line to be. You want it to be a skill-based line. So Faust being there is a real big question mark for me. But Brendan Moore says not to read too much into the lines, even though they've been the same for yeah four days now. Yeah. But... um. That one stands out to me. It seems like they definitely want to move Svechnikov off of the Ahu Teravainen line because I guess Brenmore wants more spread out scoring. He does not like to keep all of his eggs in one basket, sort of say. He's never been a fan of that. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward, like if those are opening night roster, will be those sort of lines or, you know, in the coming next few days, we'll see it start to shake up a little bit. But as it is, it, you know, it kind of is what it is. It's what we expected kind of from Kane's training camp, the same players we've seen last year coming back, you know, Pesci will be healthy now. Hamilton will be healthy again. And we, so we should be expecting to see all the players kind of producing almost playing the same way. I wouldn't expect that it would be too much difficulty chemistry wise or anything like that. Well, that plays into the hurricanes advantage. I think with a short camp like this, having pretty much the same group left other than fast. I mean, there's not a whole lot of like, getting to know you or getting to learn the systems that needs to happen for almost all of these guys. It's pretty much just a review and then let's get to it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you mentioned it with the shortened training camp. Non, there's not as much time to go through systems and, and, and instruct. Uh, it's more of a focus on, getting these things down uh, and, and getting them perfected. And obviously the Hurricanes had very little roster turnover. They only added Jesper Foss, the only other new guy in that uh, first group, is Joakim Ryan, but he doesn't factor into the top six, uh, not right now at least, uh, and won't unless there's injury issues or something else uh, that, that gets players out of the lineup. So... Uh, yeah, that's definitely a unique part of this of this Canes team. They have pretty much guys that have been here not only just last year, but the past couple years for the most part. Um, so that's good. Uh, one thing that they've again these are early lines, but Nino Niederreiter has been with Aho and Tara Vinen, and that has put Svechnikov on the second line, like y'all mentioned, um, which is interesting because. When the Hurricanes needed uh, offense last year, they went to that stacked first line uh, of sorts. And then when, you know, they wanted to disperse the, the scoring a little bit, they they would use Sveshnikov on, on a second line. Before Trocek came in, he would play with Jordan Stahl and Warren Fogel a lot. Um, and now Trocek gives them a bigger option and or a better option probably as a second line center, although he does have a lot to prove himself this year. Um, so that'll be very interesting to see. Uh, and if Nino gets his scoring touch back, 
uh, and he fits with Aho and especially not Aho and Teravainen again, like he did upon arrival uh, in 2019. That's a big, that's a big deal. If he can, if he can get back to that, I think it answers a big question. Yeah, I, I mean, I just kind of piggybacking on what Brett was saying. I thought that you know, and we talked about this a little bit before we started. I liked in a very small sample size the Svechnikov, Trocheck, and Natchez line in the bubble. And I would have to think that that's, I mean, I think Jesper Fast is a good fit with Jordan Stahl and Warren Fogel on a checking line. And no offense to those two, but Natchez's skills are just absolutely positively wasted playing with the two of them. But <laughs> it's, it's like we said, you know, and Nino's looked good. He's looked fast in these first few practices. If he can recapture that form and play with Aho and Teravine in the way he did when he first came over, and then you've got that Svechnikov, Trocek, and Natchez line, that's a really good, really bad. It's kind of a pick your poison top six because you've got that Aho Teravine combination on the first line, and then you've got Svechnikov with what he can do, Natchez with what he can do, and then you're hoping that you get Trocek back to at least a little bit of those, some of the dominant level we saw from him a couple seasons ago in Florida. This is an important year for him. I think uh, he's on a new team. He, he really needs to be a quality secondary or a second line uh, scorer for this team. That's why they got him. Uh, they don't need uh, a guy who can be a good two way guy. Of course, that's good if he's also that, and that's what they expect him to be. But um the reason for getting him was to take offensive pressure off of Jordan Stahl. Um, because as much as we all like Jordan Stahl and appreciate his defensive game, he's not an offensive producer at this point in his career. He hasn't been for several years. Uh, and any offense you get from him should be considered a bonus, really. Um, so if Trocek can get going... It, it, that would be huge. And obviously setting him up with Natchez and Svechnikov, two very skilled players would definitely help. And again, that goes back to if Niederreiter can get back to, you know, not being so snake bit offensively and he can be, he can, you know, keep up with Ajo and Tara Vinen, uh, and not hold them back in any way. That would be really big. Yeah. Now to the segue I was going to put forth. Uh, I was going to say another interesting thing with training camp that we haven't mentioned too much with the C2 group, the prospects and the AHL level players is something Brendan Moore kind of touched on today is who, what is he looking for in a taxi squad? You know, Brendan Moore talked about today. He's saying, you know, those veteran guys, those veterans, like he wants them there, but he also wants these high end skill kids. Like he would like to have the young prospects around to learn, but he's, he's, it's a real big dilemma for him between he wants the prospects to play. He wants them. He's like practicing his, good and all but he he wants them to play but he also wants to have the best players available for the hurricanes team if the hurricanes were to need them so it's a big dilemma he still isn't sure yet he is what he mentioned today in his zoom call after practice he's not sure if he wants to bring more ahl level guys to form it fill out the texas squad or if he wants to have more high-end prospects there because it's the whole dilemma of will they play versus you know will they not yeah that's that, that is interesting and Another part of it that uh, kind of adds to it, it was announced today that the Hurricanes and Predators will be sharing the Chicago AHL affiliate, which means 
naturally there will be less or fewer roster spots available uh, in theory to Hurricanes players because they're going to be sharing it uh, with with Nashville. Um, so it'll be it will be interesting to see how they how they tackle that. Uh, is what would you think? What would be better? Would it be better to have guys like Stephen Lorenz and Max McCormick, who are older, uh, have years of AHL experience under their belts? In McCormick's case, he's played in the NHL, um, but they're very specific type players in in that they're depth players. They're heavy forechecking guys. Or is it better to have young guys who can step in and maybe add something else and all while being around an NHL team? Personally, I would prefer to see these younger guys, these high yeah. skill level guys to be around. But I think in more of like a rooted in reality, Brandon Moore's never been one really to trust rookies. Even if I feel like these rookies get a shot, it'll kind of they'll fill in the roster at the fourth line. Everyone kind of moves up filling in positions and these guys really won't get the breaks that they kind of need and to play where they're supposed to. So I feel like for the Carolina hurricanes team this year, I prefer probably the AHL level guys that could come in to be a better fix to keep the team afloat. Should like injuries happen, you know, COVID protocols, people have to be out. I would agree with Ryan. I think to the other side of that is for development purposes, you like your younger skilled prospects that you want to potentially be your top half of the roster players in the future. I think you want them playing games. And even though they'd be getting instruction from the hurricane staff up here on the taxi squad, I think you would rather have them playing games, potentially playing de- together, developing in game like situations. The, Cause the other thing that's going to be interesting is if the CHL were to not end up playing I would think there would be some kind of a like a pause in that transfer agreement where a guy's like Ryan Suzuki, Seth Jarvis, Jamison Reese, who are not yet eligible for the AHL under normal circumstances, maybe could play in the AHL this year. So I think that's something else to keep an eye on with all of that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, it'll, it'll be. It'll be interesting because those are those aren't easy decisions. Uh, but yeah, I think I agree with both of you uh, in in a more practical uh, environment. Uh, and it's probably smarter to go with guys like Lorenz, who, um, you know, saying they're they're depth players and they're they're typecast kind of guys. That's not necessarily a bad thing because you need those kind of guys on an NHL team when you're trying to be successful. You need guys who you know can play. And I think they're. They're definitely more confident about Lorenz now than they were a year ago um, after the the really good year he had last year. It was the biggest year of his career. Uh, I remember in training camp, it was like, okay, he's he's keeping up. He's looking pretty good. And then at, up to that point, he had never played in an NHL preseason game. And last year he played in three. He scored in, uh, in the game against Tampa Bay, uh, and he looked a lot better, and he – parlayed that to a really a breakout year in the AHL uh, where he scored 26 goals or whatever and, and led the team there. So um, that's all good. We, we're, we've talked pretty much all we can about training camp um, because, I mean, 
at the end of the day, it's just training camp. And, and we don't really know. But now we can segue to maybe having a little bit more fun with some predictions for the season. Um, we're going to break this uh, into two parts. Uh, the first one is going to be team-based predict- predictions for the Hurricanes uh, individually. And then we're going to talk more on a league uh, standpoint after that. So we have a few categories. Um, this one's kind of uh, easy, but we're going to include it. We'll start with you, Ryan. Uh, breakout player, most likely to break out in a big way for the Hurricanes this year. I'm actually going to go, I'm going to say Morgan Geeky. You know, That's a good it's one. hard to break out from being, you know, the NHL's all time <laughs> point per game leader. Yeah. It's hard to really improve from that. But I think in a realistic standpoint, you know, he's had, he only got, you know, two NHL regular season games, but then he did play as a fourth line center for most of the playoffs. And his line, especially against the Rangers, was just killing them. They were just had so much energy in the engine, and they were just hemming in the Rangers in their zone constantly. And I think we can see a lot more from Morgan because his skill level is, is really high. He has a lot more skill to give than just a typical fourth-line center. And I think given more time, I, we can see Morgan Geeky develop into a really promising player. And he's one of my favorites to look out for. It's interesting you say that about his skill level. Um, on Wednesday, I was, I was watching, and he undressed Vincent Trocek in a very inappropriate way. I mean, he 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 totally danced around him at the top of the circle, came in, made a move, and scored. It was gorgeous, and Trocek was, like, looking around laughing afterwards because he knew he got eviscerated by Morgan Geeky. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he showed he – sh- at every level he's played at, he – one, he's, he's won. Uh, he's – been on teams that have gone far in the postseason and have won in Tri-City in the WHL, Charlotte uh, in the Calder Cup run. And, uh, you know, every place he's been, he's turned into a quality, quality player that can produce. So I, I actually really like that pick. Andrew? Well, there's one fairly obvious one that I feel like you're probably yeah. going to go with Solvira away. Um, I'll go to the blue line. Hayden Fleury is a guy who I feel like we kind of saw a coming out party for in the playoffs and down the stretch last year. He finally got the consistent spot in the lineup that he had probably, frankly, already earned. He just was a victim of a numbers game. Down the stretch with Hamilton and Pesci out, he was playing some of the best hockey of his career. He was arguably the Hurricanes' best player overall in the series against the Boston Bruins. He scored two goals. He was a physical presence. And this is really kind of when you look at the Hurricanes blue line, the first year where you're going in and you're kind of like, okay, Hayden Fleury has a spot. Like, he is a lineup regular. He's going to play every night. I heard Rod Brindamore talk in the bubble about him kind of finally showing that level and potential that they saw in him as a top 10 pick. He talked about it again yesterday with talking about the promise that he showed in the bubble and looking to see that consistently going forward. If you get even if he's playing on the third pairing, which he very well may be on the left side behind Jacob Slavin and Brady Shea. But if you're getting bubble Hayden flurry every, you know, on a consistent basis from your third pairing, then this hurricanes defense is going to be, which I already think is probably 
already going to be even better than it was last year because you're going to have Brady Shea for a full year, and I think Jake Gardner bounces back a little bit. But if you're getting that level of play from Flurry on a nightly basis on your third pair, that's a really good decor. And I think that we could see him provide that. I think he's waited so long for this chance to be a regular that he's going to do like he did last season and keep stepping up and keep seizing the moment. And I'm really excited to see what he does this year. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be next to Gardner in all likelihood. Um, those, those pairings have pretty much panned out the way that we all expected going into camp Shea with Pesci and then Gardner with Fleury. Um, and they were good together last year. They, they Gardner had some of his best hockey, most of his best hockey playing next to Hayden Fleury, and maybe it's not a coincidence that when he was with Gardner, he was playing really well. So maybe that's just a good fit for both of them. Um, and if, if they're going out and they're facing uh, less taxing defensive matchups as a third pairing, kind of in the shadow of that, that top four, which can be so good, um, that that's, I think that puts them both in this situation where they can they can have a good deal of success. And uh, yeah, like you said, there's one really obvious answer and it's Martin Natchez. Um, so I'll just go ahead and say him. Uh, he kind of got the Andre Svechnikov rookie treatment. He, he started really well uh, next to Dezingle and Hala. And that line was really uh, surprisingly potent for the first couple weeks of the season. Things fizzled with Hala. Um, and his role, and that just simply uh, fell apart pretty quick uh, as the season went on. And it's kind of it was interesting to see the differing results from the two wingers alongside Hala, because one of them, Natchez, you know, kind of took a step back, but then kind of reclaimed his spot in the lineup. Dzingel didn't do that, um, but Natchez did. So. That was impressive to see from him. You know, he, in, in a secondary scoring role, he he wasn't getting a lot of minutes. He he was just getting, he was getting second power play unit time and really maybe 10 minutes, 11 minutes of five on five time. It, it wasn't all that much, but he was productive. And outside of that top line, he was the most productive player on the team. I mean, he, he was around a half point a game. He had uh, highlight real moments. The goal against Arizona in particular was spectacular uh, where he, uh, <laughs> when uh, John Forsland said that he circled the wagons, uh, he really did. Um, that was a great goal against the Coyotes. He, he's very talented and he showed a lot of promise uh, even on a power play unit where they didn't really ever get good footing and they never really uh at least over extended stretches weren't overly effective they did have good runs where they were the better unit for for a time but overall they obviously overshadowed by the first unit but but natius had a lot of bright spots as a rookie and you'd expect him to take another step and i i imagine he's going to wind up next to trocek uh eventually and he should be in position to to be an impactful player. Um, moving away from that, goal, assist, and point leaders. We can let's just do all these three at once. Uh, Andrew, 
You go first. Goals, assists, points. Who leads the Hurricanes in each of those categories? Goals, I'm going to go with Andrei Svechnikov. I know Sebastian Ajo led the team in goals last year. He was, despite the shortened season, he was two goals away from 40. But I think we saw the step up from Svechnikov last year, and at his age and in year three, I don't think there's any reason not to expect even more. We've seen his skills. You heard Rod, I mean, Rod Brindamore, I believe it was Tuesday, basically raved about Svechnikov and the work that he's been putting in and his desire to get better, and that being the reason that he's going to keep getting better. Svechnikov talked about the working out and the training that he's been doing, getting bigger and stronger and faster, which should be an extremely scary thought for any team that is going to face off against the Hurricanes this year. We've seen what he can do with his shot. Um, Maybe he scores a couple of lacrosse variety again. I don't know, but I think it'll be Svechnikov. Assists, uh, I'll, I'll go with the extremely easy answer and go with Tavo Teravainen. He is clearly an underrated player, considering that in ESPN Plus's top 100 players in the league list that was re- revealed yesterday, I believe, he did not yeah. make the cut. And, we can talk about that a little bit in a second, too. But, yeah. Yeah. He, um... I mean, he's one of the best playmakers in the league. You look at the chemistry he has with Ajo, the way he can set him up, the way he can set anybody up. The play, Some of the plays that he can make are just ridiculous. I think I remember it was in the the Winnipeg game, the second Andre Svechnikov lacrosse oh, yeah. game. Cool. It kind of got overshadowed. Tara Vinen basically he took a puck off the boards, made a spinning, almost no-look pass through defenders right onto Ajo's tape for just a perfect backdoor tap. And I mean, it, it was ridiculous. So Neil Pionk didn't know where he was, like he, where he himself was. Like he thought he was in another dimension. He, he turned right and well the pass went to his dimension. left and he was so confused. And I was too, frankly, like I'm not trying to roast Neil Pionk, even though he's not, um, I just dropped my phone, even though he's not uh, an overly uh, comp- competent defender. Uh, in his own zone, he um, he was he was looking pretty silly there, and I think most defensemen would have been. That was an insane play. And the other reason I will take Teravainen to lead the um, lit team in assists is I know he we know he's not going to shoot the puck. He's going <laughs> to pass it every chance he gets. So <laughs> you're going to get him a lot of assists doing that. Um, so I'm gonna and I'm actually gonna have Sebastian Aho leading the team in points without leading in goals or assists, just because I think he's gonna have such a good balance playing. You know he's probably gonna play some with Svechnikov, if not at even strength, at least in the power play. He's gonna play with Teravinen, so he's gonna get plenty of goals. Um I think he's still the Hurricanes best player. I think it's entirely possible that we're getting to sooner than later of Svechnikov claiming that title, but I think Ajo will still be the leading point scorer, at least for this year. Right. Um, this is going to sound like an echo chamber in here, but I'm goal leader. I, I'm going to go with Andre Svechnikov. I mean, Andrew went into it in extensive. I'm just going to say kids damn good. Uh, assists. It's really, again, uh, who's a better playmaker on the team and better passer than Tavo Teravainen? I mean, it might be Svechnikov one day. Svechnikov 
had more assists than goals last year and showing very, very much promise that he can do everything. But I still think Tavo is just all around just one of the best playmakers in hockey. And for points, though, I'm going to go with Dougie Hamilton. Wow. Dougie Hamilton is healthy for a full year. I think he'll be potting goals and wow. he'll be generating assists enough to put him as the team's point leader. I think he can, like, John Carlson it. Eric or Eric Carlson, back, the one who did it before it was cool. <laughs> wow. I did not expect Dougie Hamilton for, for point leader. I like that. Um, bold. It's bold, and I like it, but I don't like it enough to copy you. Um, <laughs> for goals... Look, this is this isn't going to be fun if I just pick Svetch. So, um, and I would like to no, revisit these. I'll re- we're going to revisit these. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm just going to say Aho here. Um, I'm really split. It's like fifty fifty. It's kind of glossed over the fact that Sebastian Aho scored thirty eight goals last year and was sixth in the league um, in goal scoring. Um, that's that's kind of crazy and um emily kaplan of espn who contributed to that nhl top 100 uh piece uh added a very interesting statistic uh so over the last 20 years only two players have scored 20 goals in their debut season and then scored progressively more goals each year for the next three years after that Ilya Kovalchuk did that when he broke into the league with the Atlanta Thrashers. The only other player to do that is Sebastian Ajo, and that's a really impressive stat um, because he scored 20 and he's gotten more each year. Um, Obviously, it's going to be very difficult for him to top 38 goals uh, when he's only going to be playing 56 games, but I think he can reach 30 goals in 56 games. Same for Sveshnikov. so, so yeah, uh, I'm, I'm just going to go with Ajo because I think it's a two-horse race, and I'm just going to go against y'all in hopes of maybe uh, of being right. And then if I am right, I'm going to say I was very confident in the pick and that, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, assists, uh, not going to differ from you guys here. Tara Vinen, uh we can talk about it a little bit now. He was not included in the ESPN Top 100 uh, they followed it up today by uh, talking about some of the snubs, quote unquote. Uh, and it was actually Emily Kaplan who was like, who said that Teravine should have been in the top 100. This was like a group think kind of piece uh, for for the top 100. It wasn't just one person. Um, but yeah, Emily Kaplan, she she uh, said that Teravine was in her top 100 and should have been in everyone's top 100. And I agree with her. Uh, extremely extremely underrated so yeah i'm gonna pick him for assists and for points i'm gonna pick i'm gonna pick uh see andrew picked aho ryan picked dougie hamilton i okay i'm gonna pick tavo teravine and here's why (laughs) i think he's gonna have so many assists that that he might he he might he might get sixty assists in uh in one goal and he might lead the team in points. Who knows? Um, he he's gonna use that ESPN plus uh, as bulletin board material and he's gonna start banking it on players. Yeah, he's gonna have Nino Nieder stand in front of the net and just shoot it off of him into the net. Exactly. Um, it's gonna be like Patrick Mahomes and count to one hundred on his fingers after every assist. 
we talk so much about his playmaking ability, but like I think something that's so under his defensive ability. Tavo yes. was one of the best defensive wingers like in hockey, like arguably. Like obviously, you know, you have like Stone being are like the best defensive winger, but Teravine is like a top ten, top five defensive winger in the league, if not and he's a top twenty overall, if not top ten overall winger in the league completely. Oof. Him I being agree. snubbed on the list is just it's like it's so crazy because it's one of those things that it's like you expect it from like the NHL official, like NHL network to be like, oh, here's the top whatever because they only oh, look at like goal so stats. Bad. They're so bad. It's like you expect from that, but it's like Tara Vinen is a 60 point player and a defensive monster. He's a complete all around one of the best wingers in the league, arguably. And to leave him off a top 100 list is 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 asinine. It's yeah, just no other word for it. I mean, I, he was he was a sixty three point player last year in in the shortened season. He's a he's a seventy five to eighty point player over a full season. And yeah. to to add to what you're saying, he should have been getting selkie votes. I I can't for the life of me understand how he did not get selkie votes. Um, he was totally snubbed in the selkie conversation. I don't think people realize how great he is as as an all-around player he's just so cerebral it's like it's next level like he thinks the game so much different than most players in the league he's so always a step ahead he's not the fastest he's not the biggest obviously but he is always just in the right place at the right time putting the puck where the puck needs to go um i totally agree with you yeah i think he he should have been on that list, and I don't think he should have been in the lower fourth of that list either. I mean, he should have been like the other thing too for Teravine, and not just in the context of the league, but in the context of this team. When people on the outside tend to talk about the Hurricanes, they tend to talk about Andre Svechnikov. They tend to talk about Spashanaho. Over the last year, Dougie Hamilton, I think Jacob Slavin has become a lot less of a well-kept secret. Yeah, I think you can all, make the all argument four of them for, are in the top 100. For what the Hurricanes do, though, on offense, I mean, I, I think Tavo Teravainen is, is the straw that stirs the drink, if you will. I mean, he is so important to literally everything the Hurricanes do. I mean, he sets up on the power play. He plays on the penalty kill with Ajo. Like, he, he does everything for this team, and I think... I don't know that you could call him the most important player, but I do think the Hurricanes would be in a world of hurt if anything happened to Tavo Teravainen for an extended stretch. It also doesn't hurt that he has one of the very best contracts, long-term contracts in the league. Uh, That's right, yeah. The fact that they got him at, what, 5.25 for five years is incredible. Like It's laughable. I mean, that that is like, that is a next-level bargain, and it's part of the reason why, as... Some of these deals for guys like Svechnikov and Hamilton come up, the Hurricanes are not going to be totally in salary cap hell. Yeah, because if they were paying market value for Teravinen, Slavin, Pesci, they'd be in they'd be in trouble. Uh, even if they're overpaying, probably Brady Shea. Uh, we don't know how he's going to play, uh, but on paper he's overpaid. Um, Gardner for what his role is overpaid. Um, Jordan Stahl. Jordan Stahl, as good as he is, he's not a six million dollar player. But the Hurricanes can get away with these things because they've done such tidy pieces of work, uh, of business with 
important guys. Even Aho is he's more than an eight million dollar player. Uh, so they they have a lot of great deals that over that that can make room for having some not so great contracts. Um, it's not like those are albatrosses, though. I mean, like they're no, not great, but those no. are. It's not like you've got like totally like you see sometimes around the league like players who just absolutely plummet making even more than that. Like those are still very useful, very serviceable players that just are making maybe a little bit more than they should. Yeah. Was it, was it 2015 where it was like the Louis Erickson's? Oh yeah. And Milan the, Lucic. Milan Lucic. Milan Lucic. When the, all those deals are being signed. You can never forget, not 2015, but you can never forget David Clarkson. Um, Ryan Clough. Andrew Ladd. Yeah. So there's yeah, a reason yeah. that the Hurricanes also that there's also a reason the Hurricanes do not get involved in that kind of nonsense on July one or whatever the hell day it's been the past couple of years. Yeah, and I mean with Jordan Stahl, he's getting six. I think he's probably a three and a half ish million type of player, maybe four, might be pushing it. But that's you're talking about his value. That's probably realistically about three to two and a half million, maybe two million above what he should be getting. That's not that's not a a, hind, a big hindrance. Um, Shea, we'll see. I'm not thrilled about what his contract looks like. He the the Hurricanes really need Brady Shea to be the guy that they think he can be because not that was only, a gamble. It really was, and and you think about he broke into the league in such a big way, and he had, I think it was two really good years, and then since then he's he's been so much worse, and ever since he got the contract that's paying him, I think it's five point seven five a year until for like four more years. I mean, he's getting paid more than Pesci uh, and Slavin. So it's gonna he's gonna have to turn around a big way to make it work um, for it to be feasible because on top of that, the Hurricanes gave up an asset that they never give up a first round draft pick. They, they traded away a, a not like an asset that doesn't take up cap is only surplus value and they gave it up for Brady Shea. So they need him to work with with Brett Pesci like that I think that, if that works, then I think the Hurricanes are such a better team. But if that doesn't work, there might be problems, like legitimately. I, it'll, it'll be interesting to see in the Kane system how Brady Shea performs too because the Rangers' defensive system it was, was really, really bad, especially under Lindy Ruff. When Lindy Ruff took over that Rangers' defensive system, it was they were one of the worst teams like in the league giving up shot-wise. And... God bless Henrik Lundqvist for them was just facing 40, 50 shots a night and still helping pull that team. Yeah. And I think the one thing I'll say about that is, you know, you mentioned giving up a first round pick is not something that any team and especially the hurricanes is going to do lightly. And I think the hurricanes have very smart analytics people and very smart video people and good pro scouts. And they must have seen something in Brady Shea that was like, yes, what this guy can bring and what he can do in our system with our players 
is going to make our team this much better, that this is worth it. And it's a matter of them being right. But I think the Hurricanes have shown over the last few years or so that they've been pretty good at making those deci- those kind of decisions. So I- I'm sure there was a lot of careful thought and planning and rationale that went into that. Absolutely. And I mean, even when he isn't playing well, you can see it. Like you can see the attraction of his game. He's, he can skate. He he can. He's a great skater. He moves really well. Um, he he likes carrying the puck up the ice, and you know he showed flashes of being able to do that really well. And you know he he's lanky. He in like in build, he he's reminiscent of Jacob Slavin, being a big lanky left-handed defenseman who moves well. Um, it's just. And, and the idea of pairing him with Brett Pesci is is a, an attractive one because he can be the the anchor of sorts on on a defensive pairing that has Brady Shea kind of given the permission to to do what he wants to do with the puck and and you know we, we before we start report recording we were talking about Joel Edmondson um, as we do just in our free time we just talked about Joel Edmondson. Um, <laughs> Talk about that point streak is what we yeah, did. Yeah, we were talking Talk about, about that crop top. We were, we were talking about the impossible offensive run that he went on that, that basically got him a top four spot for the remainder of the year. Um, and how Joel Edmondson was very aggressive in the offensive zone, and that's not his game, and it just did not work next to Pesci. Well, with Shea... He's he's more mobile than Edmondson, obviously. He's better with the puck than Edmondson, obviously. So, if 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 he does that, then on again on paper, it sounds like a good fit next to Pesci. Um, so I, I think I think a lot rides on that working out. And Andrew's absolutely right. They have the track record to to where I'm willing to stand back and say, okay. Let's let's see it because they've definitely earned the benefit of the doubt at yeah. this point. Um, okay, so where will the Hurricanes finish in the Central? I'm sorry, <clears throat> the Discover NHL Central Division. Come with us and discover where the Hurricanes will finish in the Central. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> um, Andrew. You go first. Um. First of all, I apologize. Um, so, I mean, we we talked about this uh, on our last episode, and I believe I picked the Hurricanes to finish third. The more I think about it, and the more I think about this team and the potential it has with a having the advantage of having mostly the same group in a shortened training camp, of having you know really high end guys like Aho and Teravine and Svechnikov guys who could be getting better in Natchez and Svechnikov and even Aho. Like, Aho's not... There's nothing to suggest that Aho might be done improving. And you look at what we just talked about with how much better the decor has the potential to be with Brady Shea instead of Joel Edmondson for a full year with Hayden Fleury playing regularly with a bounce back from Jake Gardner. I think the Hurricanes are going to finish second. I think they're going to have a good season they're going to finish second and I think with Nikita Kucherov out it's going to be closer than people think between the Hurricanes and Tampa Bay I think there will be at least a period not 
super late in the season, but late in the season enough where the Hurricanes are going to be scoreboard watching Tampa to see what happens with that division. Right. Yeah, I'm going to go. I think my my Bojangles Rex Healthcare pick for the Central (laughs) NHL Division Discover will be the Canes finishing second behind Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay brought back everybody. They're like, the gang's still all here. They some way somehow somehow they re-signed everybody so i don't see tampa <laughs> being anything other than the top team but i can see the canes being a really good team to still be second if not you know hell maybe give them a run for their money and finish first who knows but i think canes will be a top team there yeah i think we all have the same opinion uh i think we were all like second third i don't know and after reflecting on it and and you know staying up late at night thinking second or third <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think the Hurricanes are the second best team in the division behind Tampa. I agree. Um, so the last prediction for the Hurricanes, at least, is most likely to get traded during the season. Ooh, wow. Who's going to get traded? Ryan, who is most likely to get traded? Uh, Jake Bean. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, reason why reason wise is, you know, you have the expansion draft coming up, and there is the argument to be made that you keep Jake Bean, and he is then you don't have to worry about anyone else in your team really getting taken. Jake Bean will more than likely be the person Ron Francis takes from the team, and that's a safe bet. You don't you won't lose much else. But if the Canes are going to make a playoff run or something, I think Jake Bean is the is the pot sweetener to pick up a maybe a top six guy or if there's injuries somewhere else. But I think I honestly think Jake Bean is either going to be used as the Ron Francis sweetener to just be like, Ooh, take him or they're going to move him out for a, to make a run on getting a player to help them. Andrew. Yeah. I think Jake Bean is also a pretty likely one. Although the thing to keep in mind is, trading away Jake Bean before the expansion draft potentially exposes you to losing somebody like a Hayden Fleury, which I absolutely do not think that anybody on this team wants. The uh, The flip side of that is I could see if they look at Jake Bean and they look at the way he's playing and the way he's performing on the taxi squad, and they're like, okay, we like Jake Bean. We want to get a look at Jake Bean. We want him to be a part of this. If he's having a decent enough season to where he is tradable – I could see them moving Jake Gardner, especially if he just still doesn't really have Rod Brindamore's trust. They're not using him, playing him a lot of minutes, so you know the contract isn't really justified. I would think that, especially with the addition of Brady Shea, that the Hurricanes might not hate getting out from under that contract, the rest of that contract, and spending a little bit less on their decor going forward with a younger guy like Jake Bean in there playing. Although again, you might, you probably do lose him to the expansion draft. So Jake, it might be kind of tough with the flat cap and the financial situation, but the hurricanes attempting to find a taker for Jake Gardner would not surprise me. Yeah. uh, Here's the thing. If moving forward, I think it's likely between Gardner and Bean as well. So I just thinking logically here, 
I like Jake Gardner. I think he's much better than he showed last year. I think he's better than a lot of people think. I think he's very capable of manning a second or even first power play unit and that unit being successful. I think he's very talented. However, I have a problem with the role that he gets relative to what he's getting paid. Uh, he's getting up north of $4 million for three more years starting this year. And if let's just be honest about it, the, the coaching, traf, coaching staff did not trust him at all, at all, uh, past like the first month of the season. Then they were kind of forced to trust him a little bit when Pesci and Hamilton both got hurt. And he played better, in, in fairness to him. But in the playoffs, when they got Hamilton back, uh, it was back to him getting 12 to 15 minutes a night, not getting any sort of opportunity, really. Um, so if that's going to be the case, and... Right now, we have no reason to think that it won't be the case because that has been the case the majority of the time he's been here. Um, if that remains the case, I can't think of a reason why they would they should keep him and move on from Jake Bean. That seems like a really big mistake in my eyes. Um, if if they if if they do if they don't like Gardner, um, you have a much cheaper. Uh, a team-controlled option in Jake Bean, who has been developing for several years, and he just won the AHL Defenseman of the Year award last season in Charlotte and led the AHL amongst defensemen in points. So if if you're trying to get get out from under Jake Gardner, it just it makes all the sense in the world to go with Jake Bean, and then you go into the expansion draft and you do what you got to do for them to not take a defenseman that you like. Um so that's how I, I feel about it. I think that as much as I like Gardner and as much as I have been pounding the table, I don't think it makes sense to keep him in a very dis, uh, very small role when you can give Jake Bean the opportunity to, to play in that spot, play on the second power play unit. Um, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. So I, I would say... Jake Gardner is the answer for me. Uh, we're going to go division by division and pick the top four. We kind of already did this for the Discover NHL Central Division. Um, we can just go ahead and do this again for the Discover real quick since we've already done it. Um, mine was Tampa Bay, Carolina, Dallas, and that last spot between Nashville and Columbus is going to be close. I think I'm going to go with Nashville. I'm going to go Tampa, Carolina, Blue Jackets, and close call, Stars make it in barely. Yeah, mine switches a little bit. I'm going to go Tampa, Carolina, Dallas, Nashville. All right, so Andrew and I have the same. Uh, Ryan a little different uh, with Columbus. I can see Columbus uh, really making a run. They have two really good goaltenders. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Pierre-Luc Dubois. That, that's obviously going to be a big thing, too. The Mass Mutual NHL Eastern Conference. Um, so this is pretty much, thank goodness that we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. But um, thank God the, the Hurricanes, hurricanes <laughs> the Hurricanes really dodged a bullet here. Um, so they avoided a division that has Boston, 
New York teams, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Washington. They they really, I mean, Matrix, Neo, their, their way uh, <laughs> around that situation. So, uh, Andrew, Mass Mutual NHL Eastern Conference. I'm sorry, Eastern Division. Sorry. Um, Mass Mutual NHL Eastern Division. Sorry, go. I'm going to go Flyers. Bruins, Capitals, Island, uh, Penguins, Island Penguins. Island Penguins. No, but I am going with the Penguins as the fourth team. So you picked Philly to win the division. I do. I like Philly a lot. I think they've got a good mix of veterans and young talent. I love Carter Hart, um, or excuse me, Kata Hart. Um, kind of hot. Kind of hot. I think, you know, they've got a guy like Nolan Patrick, who you could see taking a step forward. Claude Giroux, who's still really good. Sean Couturier, some good young talent on the blue line. I like the Flyers a lot. Ryan? Uh, my Coca-Cola picks for the Met Mutual NHL East Division. I'm going to have I, – I, too, have the Flyers – I, I see the Flyers coming ahead in that division. I really like that Flyers team. I'm I just think that they're really good. Then I have the Islanders. Granted, if Barzal signs. You have the Islanders in second. If the I see the Bruins coming in next. I just it's it's a big question. I I think they're good. I'm it's a question for me, like them and the Penguins is like when is their time gonna come up? When will father time tick? And I think I think the Penguins are on the decline too much, and I think the Bruins are getting there. But I have the Bruins third, and I'm honestly I'm just gonna make a fun one. I think the Sabers are gonna finally make a goddamn playoffs. I would agree, but that division is so they really got screwed over again with the division. So they, Ryan, you have Washington not making it. I think they're just too old, honestly. I mean. The defense is questionable, and they're they're all relying on Samsonov to to carry the burden the whole way with a condensed schedule. It's a big question mark for me for Washington. I just I can't see them. It's just such a tough division. I see them on the decline, and I would love to see me proved wrong. I would love to see them come ahead, but I just my prediction. I I'm having Flyers, Islanders, Bruins, Sabers. That would be wild. Yeah, um... it'd be fun. Yeah, I have Philly on top of the division as well. Um, Damn, I thought I was making a trendy pick with that. <laughs> yeah, um, I would have Boston. I have Boston second. I question how they lose Tory Krug, then they lose Zdeno Chara. I mean, say what you will about Chara and his on-ice ability now, which is obviously much less than it once was. Um, he's He's the core of that team he he is he is the boston bruins i mean you lose your captain uh i think there are repercussions to that i don't think they handled that the right way um with him and i think boston will fall off a little bit i still think they make the playoffs um they're also gonna aren't they gonna be without i think is it posternak and marshawn for the first couple at least like a month or so um, Pasta might be closer. I know Marshawn had surgery recently. Yeah. I, d- I don't know if he's out for I think extended. We're both expected to miss time at least at one point. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm going to go Philly. I'm going to give Boston just the benefit of the doubt and put them second. I wouldn't be surprised if they fall lower. Um, I'm going to have Washington in third, and I'm going to have Pittsburgh in fourth. Um, yeah, I don't know. The Islanders are, are definitely a team that could that can make it. Uh, I don't. The only hesitation I have is where's Matthew Barzell. Um, we'll see where where that goes. Uh, the Rangers could be a team that sneaks in there. Uh, it's that tough division for, is so... it's, t- it's tough for me to see Buffalo that's much improved. I don't think they're good enough. And New Jersey, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, they're going to win two games this year. That's my prediction. Um, Do you Kane's legend, Sammy Vatnin? Yeah, they re-signed Sammy Vatnin. And people were like, oh, I guess New Jersey really won that trade. And I'm like, I think we're overrating how good Sammy Vatnin is. I mean, obviously the the Devils won the trade, but it's not like him going back to New Jersey was the the, the nail in the coffin. I mean, it was just never a good trade. And you can't really adjudicate a trade for when Canes were down two defensemen and then a global pandemic came out of left field. Yeah, and he didn't and play. And that comes kind of irrelevant once you get Dougie back. Yeah. Yeah, it's I like mean, he, they expected these defensemen to play when they had none. And also, I'll say again, Vatnin isn't very good. <laughs> um, he He's gotten a lot worse over the last few years, and... They were kind of hoping he would, you know, get right for a month or two, and he never did. He never his got healthy. Ability. His he, skating ability is just bad. He got burned so much. It was like, geez. Apparently the Hurricanes loved him, though. I mean, there was a point in the summer where Dan Rosen was saying, like, they were trying to sign him. It was like, what that the was hell the are you doing? For, we have no cap space in 87 defensemen. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get it. Uh, I think they're better off without him. Um, but who knows? Maybe he'll win the Norris. Um, we move on to the Scotia NHL Northern Division, the Canadian division. Uh, that that's going to be so much fun, and I'm sure no one's going to pay attention to what happens there. Uh, Ryan, what do you think is going to happen in the Scotia NHL Northern Division? Uh, my PlayStation pick for the Scotia division. I have Sony I think Montreal on the, on the bidding. I like that. Sony really wants to get, you know, their branding. They're paying me big bucks here. Um <laughs> I have Montreal top in the division. I just think they're like with each of the Canadian teams playing each other ten times, that Canadian blue line is such a bruiser. I think they're just gonna break down opponents. I think Carrie Price can at least play well enough to, you know, win them games. And I, I love their young kids. I, that sounds bad out of context, but I love, <laughs> I, I love the prospects in Montreal. Nick Suzuki's just a hell of a player. Uh, Koka Niemi has just been coming around great. Uh, fly ball into left field by Castellanos. <laughs> I'm right, sorry, Montreal what, number one. What were your picks again? I I got distracted. <laughs> what? what My PlayStation picks? picks Montreal number one. Uh, Tampa, not Tampa, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, two. Tampa. <laughs> Tampa's going to put Tampa in the Canadian Tampa division. Tampa coming out of the left field in Canada. Canadian division. Toronto, two. Uh, Calgary Flames, three. And I'll say Vancouver Canucks, four. You go ahead, Andrew. 
my Marley drug picks are oh, Toronto, yeah. Edmonton, Montreal, and Vancouver. <laughs> um, okay. We have gone off the rails, folks. Mine is Toronto in first. I think they're too good. There's just too much there. Uh, Montreal second. I guess Calgary. Th- Third place. I'm. I'm gonna go with Vancouver third, and I'm gonna go with Edmonton fourth. Uh, yeah. So t- Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, Edmonton. I don't know why. I'm saying Vancouver is going to be so good. I don't know how good they're going to be, um, but I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to put Vancouver there. Uh, Vancouver will be good enough. Yeah, I, I, yeah. So we'll see. Um, now uh, we, we're we're moving on to the Honda NHL Western Division. Um. Andrew, you can start with your picks for the Honda NHL Western Division. See, this division is kind of interesting because it is the definition of a top-heavy division. You've got three Stanley Cup contenders leading it off in St. Louis, Vegas, and Colorado. And then the other five teams that they put in this division are just so fucking bad that it is (laughs) almost impossible to pick a fourth playoff team. You have... The three California teams, the Arizona Coyotes, and the Minnesota Wild, who have, like, the three of us as their second, third, and fourth line centers. So, I mean, obvious, I'm going Colorado 1, Vegas 2, St. Louis 3. That part's fairly easy. I would not fault anyone for putting the other five in a hat, maybe leaving the Kings out and pulling a team out. I'm going to go with the Sharks because they still have... They still have some talent. They still have some, you know, some names and some guys that you know and that are good or were good. And I feel like the Sharks are probably the most capable of putting together, stringing some wins together that to finish fourth. The fourth playoff team in that division might be on some like NF- NFC East type stuff with like six or seven games under 500 or something like that. But. I'll gun to my head. I'll go with the Sharks. Um, my tax layer Gator Bowl picks oh, for the geez. Honda NHL West. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go, obviously, Colorado Avalanche. I'm just going to keep picking them every year until they win the Stanley Cup, it seems like. Same. Every year, they're people's favorites. But every they should be the favorite. And they should win it. I'm just going to say it. Uh, then I'm going to go with the Golden Knights. I think Golden Knights are a great team. I don't think they're a good enough team to win a Stanley Cup for whatever reason. I think it's just weird with them. But I think they're good enough to be there, not good enough to go all the way. But they're good enough in that division to be number two by far. Then I have the St. Louis Blues, the obvious picks. And then I'm going to pick the, the LA Kings. I think Andrew also picked them. And it's – I think something we – I did not really, pick the Sharks. Oh, I think you mentioned the Kings. They're all the same. It doesn't matter. 
I mentioned leaving the Kings out if I threw the five teams into a hat to pick one. Oh, so oh wow. Very, he said very much the he opposite. He said the very opposite. Well, uh, did you know that the Kings actually won seven games in the season and didn't lose a game in March? I thought you were going to say they won seven games all year, and I would have believed I you. You could have said that at this point, like, yeah, and it's been right. so long that I would have believed you. They, yeah. they put together stretches. Like I think the Kings are a lot better than, like, they lost. It's like when the Vegas entered entered the league, you know, L.A. made it in, and then, like, they they handed it to the Ducks, and then they, they got embarrassed kind of by the Golden Knights there in the playoffs, and then they just fell off. They just were terrible all of a sudden they just they make playoffs and then they were like last in one of the worst teams in the league but i think the team's a lot better than like the results show and i i would bet on them to make the playoffs i think it would be a safe not it, it actually no it wouldn't be safe at all this is a fire brand pick but i think that i'm predicting they'll make the playoffs okay very good um andrew you said something uh and you said i believe you said uh you can put all five teams in a hat and uh, anything, anyone that you pick would be plausible for the fourth spot. Um, you did it, didn't you? Uh, please don't spoil uh, where I'm going. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we are. We have her on a video call for before this. we get there. Yeah, we're we're all looking at each other right now um, on Skype here. Um, so Colorado first, Vegas second, third, St. Louis for me. Um, one moment, I'm wearing a hat. And um, it's a beautiful hat Miami going to come yeah. off, and we're going to do this the right way. Um, right with second, the flow. Let me put my headphones back on. Right um, with a nice cloth there for yeah. all you audio listeners here. Yeah. Um, so Just all you, you have that to think about. Um, I'm showing uh, the pieces of paper. There yeah, you is... need to, we need we need one of us this to confirm is, that that is, like is a, indeed this is the, a you got a name written on the piece right, of paper. Are these in fact the team written on the piece of paper? This is San Jose. It says that is indeed the team abbreviation for San Jose. Here, let me close that back up. I don't want to cheat. I want to do this as legitimately as possible. Putting it in yeah, my we got my... we got Bavado out here. We they got to make sure that this is all yeah, a lot putting, of money on the line. Putting it in my Miami Heat hat. Uh, Very nice, nice hat. Blue Miami Heat cap with a pink brim yes uh vice vice, vice. colors yeah um so san jose is in there uh this is arizona it says it, it's backwards because that's how that is indeed nope. the team webcams work arizona that's arizona arizona's going in the hat uh what's this one los angeles lak that is that lak is the team abbreviation <laughs> So stupid. Why did I do this? this You're is, committed now. This is Minnesota. That is men. That is men. Fucking men. Maybe Minnesota is the team I should have said to leave out. They're pretty. They're gonna. Be, I think they're gonna be pretty bad. They're gonna be pretty bad. Um. Yeah, but they got that. But will they be bad system? as? Nice Anaheim. That is indeed the abbreviation for Anaheim Ducks. Okay. Now I'm gonna stand up. I'm gonna. Brett is indeed standing. Seven foot six. Brett is standing up. I'm seven foot six. All the ones right. are in there. Um, they're all closed. I've closed the hat so as to not see what's in there. I'm going to. Um... Oh, this is riveting. He is shaking the hat vigorously. Can you hear it? Yes, I can hear it. Oh, we're an ASMR podcast now. All right. 
Um, I'm closed. My eyes are closed. You can see it. I'm not cheating. The eyes are closed. Can you confirm that my eyes are closed? closed. I, I can the, confirm that Brett's eyes are closed. Those eyes are in fact closed, by definition. I have the eyes closed. I have the hat here. I am... I have, a, I have a selection. I have one selection. I open my eyes. In Don't fourth place. Show- in fourth place in the division. The Brett Finger's pick for fourth place in the Honda NHL West division is the Anaheim Ducks. The Anaheim Ducks. The Honda Center. So, you know, it, then there, there could be something Rigged. there. Is that, yeah, is that an unfair advantage for the Ducks to have the division named after their arena? It is, actually. It is. Um, like very Scotia much so. Bank arena. But that's not my problem. So, Anaheim will be the fourth place team behind Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis. Uh, that's where they'll finish. And, uh, yeah, so that's that. That's how that's going to go. There you have it. I feel like I need to be wearing a hat next time we do this. You guys are both wearing hats. Yes, we are. For everyone listening, Brett is wearing that Miami cap. I'm wearing an Oxford University hat, and Andrew is the oddball. Not wearing a hat. As usual. Um, okay, good. I'm glad, glad we did that. So, what's next? <laughs> that's it. That's all. No. That's literally it. Uh, there's no Star Wars talk this week. On the rundown. Yeah, there's nothing to talk about. Well, there is something to talk about, actually. Kevin Feige, uh, Marvel uh, creative... Uh, creative uh, content. Uh, That's right. Chief yeah. chief content. Uh, whatever, whatever they call him. Uh, he is. He has a Star Wars movie that's been known for a little bit. But the writer and executive producer of the Loki Marvel Disney Plus show. Um, I don't know his name off the top of my head. Um, he is going to. He's going to write kevin feige's movie and that wasn't talked about at all when the star wars news broke at the investor day calls about a month ago um so yeah there's another movie coming and it's kevin feige making a movie with the person behind the loki show uh and also doctor strange uh into the whatever the multiverse multiverse of madness um i think that's right i'm not a big marvel guy um, so I don't know all the names, but I, I know it's something like that. I believe that's right. So there, there, there's another movie. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm a big Marvel guy. I'm excited for that. I mean, I think we're definitely seeing with the kind of the style of some of the Star Wars projects right now and the fact that there was an end credit scene in The Mandalorian to set up the next project that Star Wars is kind of being Marvelified a little bit by Disney, which... Not necessarily a bad thing. Marvel's been a very successful franchise, so. Yeah, Kevin Feige's great. Kevin Feige's really Yeah, hockey's good. back, but you damn well believe we'll be slipping as much Star Wars information as we can possibly do. Absolutely. That will, will. that will not change just because there is actual hockey to talk about. Facts. Facts. Um, okay, so that's all we got for this week. Uh, Kane's Country Podcast. We will be back next week. We'll be back to weekly podcasts starting this week um as the season starts when we meet again we will the hurricanes will have played a game the hurricanes will have played a game that's exciting do they play on oh, the, god do they play on the 14th and 15th or 14th and 16th do we know 
off the they top of our head. They play on the 14th and 16th. I have a okay. schedule right in front of me. All right, so yeah, the next episode will be on the 15th, and we will be able to talk about opening night. So yeah, thank you for listening to the Canes Country Podcast. This week was fun. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening. Um, where can everybody follow you guys on Twitter and only Twitter, Andrew? A-S-C-H-N-I-T-T-5-3. And Ryan. At R-Y-A-N-H-E-N-K-E-L underscore. You can follow me at Brett Finger on Twitter. You can follow Canes Country at Canes Country. Uh, you can follow, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can find us on any platform. We encourage you to do so. We encourage you to rate and review, share, all that stuff. Um, T-minus one week until the start of the new season. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? Uh, We're wrapping this up at about 7.35 Eastern here, so it's going to be pretty much exactly a week from us finishing this podcast that the Hurricanes will be dropping the puck. Literally a week from right now. I predict that Sebastian Ajo will win the opening faceoff. You think Ajo is going to take the opening faceoff? I think though I think I think Red Bren will put all of his chips in. He says, Aho's line starting. Let's get this thing going. Let's make it let's make that prediction. I think Trocheck will take the opening face off. Andrew? Uh yeah, I think it's gonna be Jordan Stahl. Okay, so one of us will be right. If they start with Morgan Geeky, I swear to God. Um but we'll find <laughs> out. We'll find out in a week, exactly a week. Exactly a week. In like thirty seconds, it's gonna be literally exactly a week. Wait one second. It's 7.36. I'm waiting for it to be 7.37. Yeah, that'll be it. This is the riveting... If you're still here listening to this podcast, God bless you. Yeah. Exactly one week. Bye.